Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Smith from NBA.com and NBA TV, and you are listening to The Jake Brown Show. And a good afternoon and welcome to The Jake Brown Show on CBS Radio's Play.it podcast network you can subscribe to the show on itunes rate us five stars write a review while you're at it and you can find us on spotify as well and make sure you follow me on twitter at jake brown radio follow the show at jake brown show and you'll find all our content there uh coming up on the show we got a lot to get into today um saku smith from nba.com will join us later in the show to talk about the wild nba offseason uh, the uh, Kyrie Irving, his latest antics and dancing. And, I mean, him dancing and laughing with Steph Curry is incredible because Steph Curry's impression of LeBron was spot on, and every, we all laugh at LeBron's stupid workout videos. So let's be real about it and say it was funny. The timing of it, obviously, people are going to say it's poor because you know what? He might be traded, and they've had some beef. Also coming up. In the show, MLB trade deadline today. We'll get into all the deals that have gone down, what might go down. In the time this drops, the deadline will probably hit. So it might be a little bit of an expiration date, but we'll get into that. And uh, the Mets making moves and moves that I like. We'll talk about that. We'll talk LeVar Ball in a little bit. We'll talk about... Adrian Beltre, is he the most underrated player in the history of Major League Baseball? You have to argue he's right up there towards the top as he gets his 3,000th hit and becomes the 31st player in the history of the game to get there with a double yesterday. And UFC Saturday, Daniel Cormier loses to John Bones' Coke Jones, but Cormier makes a million dollars in the loss while Jones made 500000 How about that? The guy who loses may double what the guy who won. Usually I feel bad, but Jones' case, he's been suspended for the cocaine stuff and kind of get him back in the rhythm of things. So it kind of does make sense. Uh, the guy who has been in trouble making less than the guy who's been out of trouble. So you can understand that. And Tyrone Woodley retains his title, and he collects half a million dollar purse. So it's a busy show today. And... Uh, Snow the wrap or snow the product right now, not on, maybe on later this week or next week. Stay tuned. A last minute cancellation there. I don't know if I was ready for a rap battle, so maybe it's better that she canceled. She would destroy me. What are the, I mean, I heard this girl for the first time. She's been around for almost a decade and I just heard her stuff and I'm like, oh my God, she could be better than Nicki Minaj and Remy Ma. Like she is. I mean, she raps in English and Spanish, which no one does. She's Mexican, which is no Mexican rappers, especially female Mexican rappers. I mean, there's male, there's no female Mexican rappers out there. So she's one of a kind. 
So she'll join us at some point. Saku Smith is great. But let's – and also I want to get into Allen Iverson and his no-show. But first, let's start with the MLB trade deadline. The Mets today make a move. They trade Addison Reed to the Red Sox. The Red Sox bolster that bullpen and have Reed and Kimbrell at the back end. Remember the Red Sox I picked before the season to make the World Series. They got to worry about the Astros a little bit. They got to worry about winning the division too as the Yankees have creeped up right there with them. But this is a huge move for them in that bullpen. Addison Reed in three years with the Mets. Well, two months as a rental, half this season in 2016 has been nothing short of remarkable. Addison Reed in 142 innings in a Mets uniform at a 2.09 ERA. He was real good. And now he's going to the Red Sox. And you can't be mad at the Mets' return here. They get three prospects. Are the prospects great? No. But they get the 18th, 23rd, and 28th ranked prospects from the Red Sox. Three more relievers. One of them... And Callahan was considered to be major league ready by the end of this season. Has been in AAA. A high strikeout guy. And this is on top of Sandy going out and trading for A.J. Ramos, where he traded two low-level prospects. And he traded another rental in Lucas Duda for Drew Smith. Another reliever. A setup kind of material. Throws 98 miles an hour. And now you get five relievers for two rentals. And two low-level prospects. I mean, that's a win-win if you ask me. For a team that had a farm system lacking relievers, and we've, we've been on the Moonshot Express with Hansel Robles all season, this bullpen has been terrible. And now all of a sudden, you ins- insert in the equation, a brand-new farm system full of relief pitching. So Sandy Alderson, you got to give him an A here for a two-month rental that could come back in Addison Reed, who might be back in the offseason if the Mets are smart. Peace him with Ramos. Peace him with Familia. Jerry Blevins is under contract next year. I say you bring in Joe Smith, who should have been there this year. And the Mets could form with the money that they have coming off the books. One of the best bullpens in the league after having one of the worst bullpens in the league this season. Unwatchable bullpen this season. (coughs) And that could all change. I mean, that could all change right now if the Mets play their cards right. And we'll see here in these next couple hours. You see I have the grandy, grandy, grandy shirt. If you're watching on Facebook Live, it could be his final hours with the Mets as the deadline approaches at 3 o'clock. Is it 3 or 4? I always I always forget which, which hour it is. I think it's 3. Um, although it might be 4. <laughs> You want to look into that? Check, 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 check what time exactly it is. Um, you you can't go wrong with what they're doing when when you get prospects for rental. I mean, it's a, it's a win win. It's four p.m. Eastern. Um, so I like what the Mets are doing here. In other moves, the Yankees traded two prospects to the Twins for Jaime Garcia a week after he was traded to the Twins from the Braves. A good move for the Yankees, giving them a back-end starter, giving them some help. And if you're the Yankees here, don't trade away the farm to get Sonny Gray. I really do like Sonny Gray. But are the Yankees in a position where they thought they'd be a World Series contender this year? Do you want to trade your future? A Clint Frazier, Mateo, do you want to trade these guys? 
No. So I think if the deal's right, you do it, but don't trade away the whole farm to get Sonny Gray. Although Sonny Gray has been very, very good in Oakland. Don't do it. The Yankees have made the moves necessary here to get things done and getting Frazier and getting Robertson and getting Cooper who's played a nice first base. They're getting pieces in place to potentially win the AL East. And the, and the Red Sox came back and said, you know what, we're not going to let you take that as they get Reed to bolster a bullpen. And in this day and age, folks, the bullpen is just so important. We see starters have high pitch counts coming out after four innings. Mike Fears lately in Houston has been coming out after four innings pitch. Five innings sometimes, these guys. You need relievers for four innings on some nights. And now the Red Sox could say, hey, you want to get to our eighth and ninth? You got to get to Kimbrell and you got to get to Reed. Guys with two or sub two ERAs, let's see what you got. And that in October is the winning recipe. The White Sox traded Melky Cabrera to the Royals for two prospects, and the Royals are right here now in the running. The Royals are saying, you know what? We're coming after another title. And you knew they'd be back in it this year. You had the feeling of, you know what? Eric Cosmer can have a big year before you have a big contract. Things are going to work out for the Royals here, and they have. And now you add Melky Cabrera to the mix, who has had a very good season with the White Sox quietly. And now the Royals are in the conversation. The Astros here are close to potentially acquiring Francisco Liriano. And that would be huge for them. And it seems like that deal is getting closer and closer. It looks like it might actually be done. So it looks like Liriano might be headed here to the Astros. Love doing this live trade deadline. I wish this was at 4 o'clock exactly. But then again, deals don't come in until 5 or 6 sometimes. And it came down to the wire in 2015 for Cespedes. The Phillies traded Jeremy Hellickson to the Orioles for Sue Kim and a minor league pitcher. A good deal for the Orioles, but are the Orioles going to do anything? No, I don't expect the Orioles to do much. They're, they're out of it, in my mind. And if I'm them, you, you listen to offers from Zach Britton, but he is under contract for next season. Brad Bach, you, you listen to offers and see what you can get, but I wouldn't say you should be inclined because I think they should still be in position next year to win. The Rangers trade Jonathan Lucroy to the Rockies for a player to be named later. Lucroy down here. Great deal for the Rockies here. They're trying to secure this wild card spot. Things have gotten interesting with the Cubs now being the prominent team in the NL Central as we expected. And the Brewers still hanging around. But that wild card race has not been as sexy as you would have thought. The AL wild card race is Giselle Bunchu. The NL wild card race is... I was going to say Rosie O'Donnell, but that would have been extreme. But really, four or five games out as the first team, it's not that tight. And you think the D-backs and Rockies have a have a lock hold on that, and you add Luke Roy to the mix to be the catcher, and it's a nice move for the, for the Rockies there. The Tigers, how about this? The Tigers finally selling. It took them a while. They trade their closer, Alex Wilson, and Alex Avila, who's having a career, to the Cubs for two minor leaguers. Avila going to the Cubs with Contreras behind the plate. Hurts my fantasy team a little bit here. I have Zunino as a backup. But man, oh man, Avila might be the backup now in Chicago unless they move Contreras to the outfield. But Avila's not going to get the same playing time. Remember, there's no DH in the National League. Also could play a little first, but hey, there's some guy named Anthony Rizzo playing first in Chicago. So you're not going to see much 
of Avila as you did in Detroit. But a nice move for them there. They they get they trade two minor leaguers. They get a guy who's a closer and a catcher who's having a career year. I mean, the Cubs here get a closer, a catcher, and a number two starting pitcher in Jose Quintana. I mean, a great month for them after winning a World Series and now taking over first place. The Cubs are... This is why the Dodgers here are trying to maybe get a Verlander or something because don't look at the Cubs' record. Look at their roster and look at how well they're playing in the last month. And don't tell me they can't beat the Dodgers because they can't. Especially if Kershaw misses longer, more time than he than he does. If Kershaw's back, even then you have to worry a little bit because of some of the failures he has had in October. And the Ast- and the Nationals right now they they get Doolittle, they get Madsen, they may get Britain today, they may go after him, and the Nationals are right there. They're playing great. They have just had a landslide winning this division. So you look at those three teams. You wonder I, the National League could be open. The Dodgers are playing incredibly, but when October comes, it's a new breed of baseball. And while I do think the Dodgers right now won't be beat, there's a couple of trades here that could happen that could shake things up. And the Cubs are surely going all four back to back as they have made enough moves here to make things in the National League very interesting. How about Steve Bartman? The Cubs announced that Steve Bartman has received the 2016 World Series ring. Bartman said, words alone cannot express my heartfelt thanks. How about that? That's a feel-good story. Steve Bartman getting a ring. Now, I have a 1986 World Series Mets ring, but they gave it out for free to the first 15,000 fans, which is one of the great promotions they've ever done. Saturday, they're giving out a Cespedes chain, and my silver chain is broke, and I kind of want to go for that. Friday, they're giving out a very nice DeGrom jersey. The Mets have to step these promotions up because they know selling tickets will be tough in the final two months. And if the Mets really want to focus here on selling tickets, what you do is Friday in the lineup, you insert Dominic Smith in first base, hit him six. You insert Ahmed Rosario at shortstop, hit him second. And there'll be some life here in the fan base. I think the Mets are doing the right things to set up for 2018 where I'm not, I'm disheartened. This season has been a joke. It's been terrible. It's been tough. But you go into 2018 with no Terry Collins, with a new bullpen and youth, and it's a brand new field next season if, if guys stay healthy. So I think the Mets are doing the right stuff here. I think the Cubs are doing the right stuff to win. I think the Rockies are being smart. I think the Yankees are being smart. The Yankees are winning right now. They're being smart where they haven't given away a ton of prospects. But there's more deals to be done. And Liriana, the Astros, the, no one's respecting the Astros. They've just had a landslide in that division. Likely to happen, Liriano, and that's a guy who has struggled, but I think a change of scenery could be good for him. And Liriano is inconsistent, but this guy was once an ace. This is a guy who's still a middle-of-the-rotation starter who will have a bad outing here and there, but when he's on, he's a really good pitcher. A guy with tremendous stuff who strikes out a lot of guys and who still could be on the top of his game. And I think a change of scenery to a team that is just cruising right now in the Houston Astros would be great for him. And you pair him with McCullers, you pair him... With Keuchel and Fears? 
have no fears. I mean, that's that should be the that should be the motto here. I mean, the Astros rotation would be set for October if this deal does get done. If Luriano's your like four starter in October, or maybe a bullpen guy, or you move fears to the bullpen, the Astros with Keuchel, McCullers, Luriano, and Fears will be dangerous in October. This has been a busier trade deadline than I feel like normal. I feel like a lot of moves have been happening prior to the 31st. We've seen moves in the past week happening with the Duda and, and with the Yankees and then Helixson and Luke. I mean, there's been a lot of deals that are going down and still more could be done here. A very eventful trade deadline. Remember, deals in August can still happen. This is the non-waiver deadline. We've seen deals in August happen, a la Addison Reed in 2015 when the Mets really Got a steal, giving away almost nothing for Reed to the D-back. And Reed was remarkable for the Mets in 2015. He was sensational sub-two ERA in 2016. And he's been good this year as the closer taking over for Familia. And getting multiple prospects for rentals is the name of the game right now. It really is. When you can bolster your farm system all around for a guy that's going to be irrelevant for you for eight weeks, why not do it? And if you get three of them, three top 30 prospects, who are these guys? I don't know the name. You're not going to get a top five prospect for a rental. It's just very rare. (coughs) We're not talking about a starting player that's playing every day. We're talking about a reliever. To get three top 30 prospects is doing something right. This is the Jake Brown Show on CBS Radio's Play Not It Podcast Network. Saku Smith from NBA.com is going to join us later to talk about the Kyrie Irving debacle. And here with Kyrie Irving, folks, let him laugh. Let him have fun. He's drunk at a wedding with Harrison at Harrison Barnes' wedding over the weekend. Steph Curry is doing a spot-on impression of LeBron James. I mean, just spot-on. LeBron James looks like a fool when he's posting these videos and, and he's lifting and he and he's doing this, whatever he does, and he's playing the music and he's just bobbing his head and he's bald he's, and he puts on like a mean mugging look to him. Why not make fun of him? Is the timing great? No, and we know Kyrie's probably going to be gone and there's been a falling out. Is he answering his phone calls? Is he answering texts? But how could you not laugh? One, he's probably intoxicated. Two, it's a wedding. You're having fun with friends. I mean, what is? I mean, what a what a wedding. I mean, you got Barnes, you got Kyrie, you got the other Warriors. I mean, you got a, a star-studded wedding. And I'm sure Curry, as soon as everyone took their phones out, he put it on a show. And why not? The guy's taking two out of three titles from LeBron. Let him have fun with it. Oh, Kyrie, you're. We're, I mean, this fan's burning his jersey in Cleveland, and he hasn't even been traded yet. Do I think it has been handled correctly? No. But if Kyrie wants to go, let him go. He's fr- I mean, you could understand him wanting to be his own star and go somewhere else. You could understand him wanting to come home to New York. But can we just relax on the tabloids already? Oh, Kyrie, you're you're a fool for laughing at Steph Curry's impression. He can't laugh. I mean, let the let a dude live, man. Let Kyrie live. How how are you not going to laugh at that? 
It was hysterical. Should he have gone in the corner and stayed away from Curry and maybe hung with other people not in that circle? No. The party's popping around Steph Curry. If you're a player and Steph Curry's dancing on the dance floor and 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 making fun of LeBron, you're going to be in that circle. I don't care if you're his teammate or you're not. It's a non-story. It's one of those like slow news day stories, but it's not even a slow news day. There's plenty else going on. Listen, from a fan's perspective, yes, I want Kyrie to go to the Knicks. It'd also be great for Knicks blog. People come to Knicks blog, read reactions. I think it's the best deal with Melo, but it just seems like Melo won't be included. And in that sense, the Knicks cannot get a deal done. They cannot do a package with Hernan Gomez, Nit Lakina, first-round picks, and expect this to get done. And they're not going to get a summertime miracle and get the Cavs to take Joakim Noah's contract. So there just isn't really a way for a deal to get done if Mel's not included. The only way it does if a third team gets involved, maybe. But even then, without Porzingis in it, which I'm, the Knicks should be out of their minds if they trade a Porzingis. But if they could find a Kyrie wants to be here. The Knicks have to find a way to get this done. And I know Melo has a no-trade clause. I know people say, oh, you're an idiot. Do you know how the no-trade clause works? And maybe Melo doesn't want to go to Cleveland and play with LeBron for maybe one year, and then LeBron leaves. But I, I wrote about this. The Knicks should give him an ultimatum. You're not. It's almost impossible to get a deal done with Houston. What I said with Saku is Bledsoe, Ariza, first-round pick. But I don't think the Rockets will give up that much. And if they don't, you either keep them or you say, hey, we want to deal with you in a package to Cleveland to bring Kyrie here. Would you waive your no-trade clause? Mel says no. You say, well, we'll see you in Westchester at training camp in a couple weeks. Because the Knicks don't have a reason to get back nothing from Mel. And I don't think Mel should be in a position where I got to be out of New York. I want to go to Houston. He has family here. He's got a kid. He's posting pictures of Lala now. <coughs> he's in a spot where he's kind of holding the Knicks by a t- like a leash. It's like the Knicks are a dog and Melo is its owner. And he's basically saying, I want to go to Houston. Bring me to Houston. But it's not the best thing to do for the Knicks. And I think it would be worse for them. Just to get rid of him, maybe get one, maybe two first-round picks. And you don't want Ryan Anderson. Ariza Bledsoe pick, yes, I'd do it. But the Rockets don't seem like they would do that. And Saku Smith said, says, hey, if I'm the Rockets, I'm not trading Trevor Ariza. He's part of, our pa- part of our championship aspirations this year with James Harden, with Chris Ball. And I see that. I understand that. But Kyrie's got to go. And we talked about this. He has to go. There's just too much animosity. There's too much hatred going on between LeBron and Kyrie. It's not going to work. It is not going to work, Michael Gruen. As much as you think that Kyrie's staying, you're wrong, brother. He's going to get traded. It just it doesn't make sense to keep him now. There's just so much bad blood out there. And there's already fans burning jerseys that you just can't see the two sides come together. They, they're not going to kiss and make up. Sorry. They're not going to go to the strip club and retire their jersey like James Harden in the strip club. Or make up. 
This is the Jake Brown Show played on iTunes, Spotify. Speaking of superstars and controversy, we talking about the big three, man. We talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. Not the NBA, not the NBA. We talking about the big three. The big three. Not, not, a, not the game, not the game, not the game. The big three. Nobody knows why Allen Iverson AI was not in Dallas. Nobody knows. He 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 pulled a Derrick Rose and said, "You know what? I'm not going to text anyone and tell them where I am. I'm not." And I tweeted. People were loving my tweet about it because it's so true. It's like embarrassing. It's a once a week commitment. I said once a week was just too much for Iverson to commit to. Hashtag Big Three. <coughs> Excuse me. I've been a little under the weather. Um, which just doesn't make sense because it's been so hot out. But it's one of those summertime colds that's turning into a little bit of a cough. But to me, how? How do you not at least send a text? Here's what Irishman doesn't get. And it, it, he's been obviously a selfish guy and has been in the headlines for the wrong reasons a lot. Star-studded talent, one of the best in the game. There are people who are paying to see... Just you in some aspect. There's people saying, I'm going to the big three. I got to see Allen Iverson. He was a player. He's a coach, too. He hasn't been very effective. But people want to see AI. He is the face of the league in terms of star power. Everyone came to see Allen Iverson. When you show up for no reason, I mean, what goes through your head? It's a commitment once a week on a Sunday. Pretend it's church. You're going to church to play and collecting your 100000 probably for him, more, paycheck. And if you guys win, you make more money. The winners get more money. And you can't even commit to that? I'm curious what his reason was. We're, we live in an era, and when Derek Rose pulled this off, where you have a cell phone. Make up an excuse if you're not going to be somewhere. You have to wonder what's going through his head here to skip a once-a-week commitment. Think about if you get paid $100,000 to go somewhere once a week where 20,000 people are watching in the arena and hundreds of thousands are watching on TV the next day and you don't show up, you sit home, you pour up your Kool-Aid, pour up your Ciroc, whatever you're doing, and you say, I'm not going to tell anybody where I am. I'm going to go MIA. You understand how bad of a look that is? But Iverson's in his own la-la land thinking, oh, I'm good. I'm AI, mother effer. Like, I don't have to I do what I want. I'm chilling. Tell that to the people who pay the price of admission to come to the big three. Tell that to them. It's a bad look for the league. This is the first year of the big three. And in the midst of their, their summer season, the face of the league just doesn't show up. There are just too many other re- repercussions. It's, it's not just him not showing up. It's the other things that come along with it. The fans, the reputation. The big three wants to be a thing every summer. It can't have this happen. And when they, I get the email about the press release, and it said, we don't know. We have, there is no one that can get in touch with this guy? Are you kidding? We talking about the big three, man. Not a game, not a game. We talking about the big three. This was the game. You don't have four games in seven nights. You don't have four games in five nights. You don't have practice. 
We're talking about practice every day. You show you wear shorts and a shirt and show up to the damn arena, American Airlines Center, and play for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, and coach for the other 20, 30 minutes. And you go home with your 100K, and then you get hit the strip club. But you just don't show up with no notice and pull a Derrick Rose. It's just not called for. So a big mistake there from Allen Iverson in the big three. And it's sad. The big three I thought was doing okay. Although I always forget it's Monday night. I think it would be better to play Sundays. I always forget that it it's on. And it's on FS1, a channel that you really have to go to the guide to find. It's so high. It's like 400. Channel 400. And I forget that it's on. I watched one or two of them. I don't remember to watch it. There's so many other things going on. Sticking with basketball, before I want to get to our question of the week, and we talked about this with Siku as well, LeVar Ball. LeVar Ball, getting a female ref kicked out, and I'm just, you had enough of this guy. And Jay Billis had a great story and a great tweet on it that really sums up my thoughts. LeVar Ball has shown himself to be a misogynistic buffoon that is unworthy of our time and attention. I'm done. LeVar Ball's act isn't funny. It's dangerous. And it really is. The whole Kristen Lehigh thing showed us that he was sexist. Now he gets this female ref kicked out because he got teed up by her and he said, I need her out. And after 10 minutes of deliberation, Adidas and company at the Adidas Uprising Championships on Friday, had the audacity to actually kick the female ref out for giving LeVar a technical. And suddenly, it's a LeVar Ball's world and we're all just living in it. The group that supplied the officials for Adidas terminated their five-year relationship with Adidas due to the incident. Ball threatened to remove his big ball of brand team. Big ball of brand this, big ball of brand that. From the game if she wasn't kicked out after she gave him technical. And 10 minutes later, she was replaced by a male ref. And it is, it's crossing the line, man. What, why does he, he thinks he's this Kardashian-esque figure. He's going to get his reality show. TMZ finds him everywhere. He's going to get refs kicked out. He's going to threaten a forfeit. And Adidas get scared. They said, No. We have so much attention here and money coming in because of you, LeVar. So get that female rep. Get her ass kicked out of here. And it's it's starting to make you just throw up. We saw Lonzo be a stud in Summer League. This guy brought people to the seats for good reason. It wasn't his dad. It was his dishes, his shot, his overall game that brought people to the seats. LeVar Ball's kicking people, kicking employees out, thinking he owns the place. Coach your kid's right. I mean, what a terrible influence this guy has on the younger generation and LaMelo and, and just the team that he's coaching where he gets a technical and he's like, she ain't right for doing that. She know who I am. I'm the big baller brand. And he goes on and challenges Curry and challenges Embiid and challenges LeBron. It's like, shut the hell up. And he's got me and everyone else talking about it. And it's like, you want to stop talking about him and you want to keep his name out your mouth. As he says. And you just can't do it. 
but it's never for a good thing. It's never LeVar Ball went to Children's Hospital and donated ZO2s for free. LeVar Ball went to a homeless shelter and fed the hungry. LeVar Ball, I don't know. LeVar Ball, uh, I don't know. Any good deed you'd ever hear. Think of a good deed and think of the complete opposite, and that's LeVar Ball. And he is so sexist. It's so ridiculous how sexist this guy is. And no one's stopping him because it's a continued headline, and we're still going to talk about it in stories, and it's this and that. And I just want to see Lonzo and get rid of LeVar. Because you don't run the place. You don't run the gym. And how poor of a job is it? By Adidas, man. Whew. To even let that thing happen. I feel bad for that female rap. Because that that is a complete joke. It's sad. Sad! Exclamation point. Donald Trump voice. Had to mention Donald Trump once. I mean, this guy is just off the rails. This is the Jake Brown Show. Before we send it off to Saku Smith, the final topic I wanted to get into here, again, Saku Smith will have Snow the product at some point, the rapper coming on, MLB trade deadline about to hit. Got to close this part of the show, this first half of the show. Adrian Beltre. Now this guy, in my opinion, might be the most underrated player in baseball history. Becomes the 31st player to get 3,000 hits on Sunday. And you got to respect what Adrian Beltre has done here. Came to the league at 19 years old. He's played 20 years. Seven for the Rangers. Seven for the Dodgers. Five for the Mariners. One for the Red Sox. And this guy, only once in his career, besides this year, has played under 100 games. Under 111 games. And that was his rookie year when he played 77. Starting in 99-on, this guy didn't play under 111 games. He's never really been significantly hurt. This year might be the only other year he doesn't finish with 100 games. He's at 51 right now. They have around 57, 58 games to go. If he plays almost every day, he'll get there. And think about that. Besides a rookie year where he wasn't even there from the beginning, playing 100-plus games season in and season out in this day and age is unheard of. A guy with 454 homers, 1,607 RBIs, had a 48 homer year in 2004, 121 RBI year that year. He has a career 286 average. Not crazy, but good. And literally, we never talk about him. He's won the gold glove. One, two, three. Four, five times. A five-time gold glove winner. A guy who has not been dramatic besides having the on-deck circle removed, which is awesome. And you got to credit him for doing that. He's been standing in the same spot and the umpire has the audacity to throw him out of the game. And a guy who doesn't like his bald head rubbed by any teammate. Hall of Famer. Undoubtedly a Hall of Famer. But, and you could tweet me, Jake Brown Radio or Jake Brown Show on this one, is Adrian Beltre the most underrated player ever? And I think he's got to be. 
out of th- I mean, look at the three thousand hit club, and look at all the names and guys we talk about. Someone tweeted me that Frank Robinson's there, but we know Frank. I mean, we've talked about him. No one talks about Adrian Beltre. And we look at the three thousand hit club. Pete Rose. Obviously, we talk about him, and now there's this whole st- statutory r- r- alleged rape case, and I'm not even gonna get into that from the 1970s. Um, Ty Cobb, Hank Aaron, Stan Musial, Tris Speaker, Derek Jeter, Honus Wagger, Carl Strempsey. Remember, these are all greats that we definitely don't consider underrated. Carl Strempsky, Paul Molitor, Molitor, Eddie Collins, Willie Mays, Eddie Murray, Nat Lahoy, Cal Ripken Jr., George Brett, Paul Wainer, Robin Yount, Tony Gwynn, A-Rod, Dave Winfield, Craig Biggio, Ichiro, Ricky Henderson, Rod Carew, Lou Brock, Rafael P- Palmero. Cap Anson, that's from the 1800s. That doesn't even count. Wade Boggs, Al Kaline, Roberto Clemente, and now Adrian Beltre. You look at that list of 31 players, and you have to say that Adrian Beltre, of all those guys, is the most underrated player on all of them. Right? Like, you look at that list, and all those guys are legends. Maybe we don't talk about Paul Wayner much. And Cap Anson, again, 1800s. It's before any of us were alive. He was 1871 to 1897. Beltre has had a solid, consistent career. Year in, year out, healthy playing, putting up numbers. A guy who is a shoe-in almost every year for at least a 20-homer, I guess 80 RBI kind of season. Had a couple of years here and there where it haven't been as good. 2009, eight homers, 44 RBIs. This year, been a little injured. But other than that, the guy is consistent. And in my mind, he's a Hall of Famer. But underappreciated defines Adrian Beltre. Because I just don't think of him. When when all of us think of him, we don't put him in those, those names of those other guys that I mentioned. And he's surely a Hall of Famer. But I have to just show love to him today. Because we just don't show Adrian Beltre the love that he deserves. And it's not like he's played for a ton of teams. He's played for four in 20 years. But maybe because he hasn't really won much, we look at it like, hey, he's been on a lot of losing teams. But let's show some respect for him. Let's 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 give Adrian Beltre a nice round of applause and a nice career. Underappreciated, right, Pat? I mean, those numbers are nice. Consistent, and I love a guy who doesn't get hurt. I love a guy who plays 150 games every year. They just don't see it anymore. So, props to Adrian Beltre. This is the Jake Brown Show. We talked Allen Iverson. We talked LeVar Ball. We talked a little UFC in there. A couple of weeks from the big Mayweather-McGregor fight. And Cormier goes down to John Jones. Tyron Woodley wins. Props to my guy, Big Baby Miller, winning that heavyweight battle. Good job by him. MLB trade deadline's coming. Looks like Liriano will be on the move potentially to the Astros here. The Mets having a good deadline, building for 2018. The Yankees, we'll see if they make a move for another pitcher. They get Jaime Garcia. The Tigers finally selling. The Cubs all in and the Dodgers all in. Coming up next on the Jake Brown Show is Saku Smith from NBA.com and NBA TV to talk about all the drama of the NBA offseason. Where's Kyrie going? When is he going? Where's Carmelo going? When is he going? And let's relax over Kyrie laughing at Steph Curry's hysterical impression. 
This is the Jake Brown Show. Play it out at iTunes, Spotify. Make sure you subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio and Jake Brown Show. Enjoy my chat with Saku Smith next. See you next time. Featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And welcome back to the Jake Brown Show, second half of the program on CBS Radio's Play.it Podcast Network. Subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and follow us at Jake Brown Show and follow me at Jake Brown Radio. One of the best in the business talking NBA right now. And I'd say an offseason that's, uh, I mean, Pretty eventful, uh, to say the least, uh, is Saku Smith from NBA.com and the Hangtime Podcast, and he's also an NBA TV analyst. You can follow him on Twitter, at Saku Smith NBA from the ATL Shouty. What's going on, man? How you doing? <laughs> I'm good, Jake. What's happening, man? I, yeah, this is more than just a, you know, a decent NBA offseason. This is like the craziest NBA summer I can remember in years since LeBron decided to take his talents to South Beach. Yeah, there's been a ton of decisions uh, been made in, in this offseason. It's been eventful and a lot of drama, to say the least. So speaking of drama, we got to start with what's been in the news and what's been the talk. And, you know, Kyrie was drunk at Harrison Barnes' wedding, and he was dancing, having a good time. To me, Steph Curry, that imitation is hilarious. When LeBron posts those <laughs> workout videos, I laugh. I'm sure his teammates laugh. And everyone laughs. But at the time and the timing that's going on with the drama with him and the Cavs, people are saying uh, it wasn't the smartest thing on his end. What was your take on Kyrie kind of laughing at Curry's uh, moves out there? Uh, I think everybody needs to lighten up, man. This, these, these guys poke fun at each other, you know, in each of the past couple of off seasons in a pretty good-natured way. You, I, mean, I think everybody remembers the Cavaliers' Halloween party with the – the cookies and, mm-hmm. you know, making fun of the Warriors, losing that 3-1 lead. I mean, I think it's all been done in, in a good-natured fashion, nothing sinister or evil. Um, and the, the impersonation of LeBron working out was pretty good by Steph. i got to <laughs> give him some credit. I, I did get a chuckle out of it the first time I saw it. You know, whether or not it's good business, you know, that's, that's somebody else's problem to worry about. You know, the Cavaliers are the ones that have to figure out how to solve all their problems, not Steph Curry. Um, not Kyrie even. You know, if Kyrie wants to get moved, then he's made that clear. It's time for somebody to, you know, in the Cavaliers organization to make it happen. From a Cavaliers fan perspective, would you be mad at at Kyrie kind of uh, having some fun with Steph there? No, I'm mad at – if I'm a Cavs fan, I'm mad that Kyrie's talking about getting out of it. That, uh-huh. that upsets yeah. me a lot more than any antics he does at Harrison Barnes' wedding. I, you know, I think the – from a Cavs fan perspective, the biggest problem you have is Kyrie walking out the door and then the vision of LeBron doing the same thing after this upcoming season. You know, you're talking about dismantling a franchise that's been to the finals three straight years, has enjoyed the greatest success in franchise history in these past three seasons. And to see it all come crashing down, that would that would infuriate me as a Cavaliers fan because I want to know why someone, whether it's Dan Gilbert or whoever, couldn't keep this from happening. And I think Kyrie wants to be the star of the show. He doesn't want to be second fiddle. He doesn't want to be blamed when they lose. Do you think that a trade will actually go down with Kyrie here in this offseason? I think it has to. Mm-hmm. I don't. You know, I, I think once you put it out there into the universe that you, you know, that you want something to happen, you want to be moved. Whether he has a no trade clause or not, 
it, this is one of those deals where it's going to be really hard to walk that back. And I know people say, well, guys have asked for trades before. They didn't happen. They went back to their team and, and ended up playing out their contract or whatever. This is not that same kind of deal. When you have LeBron involved, it completely changes the context of what you're dealing with. And this is the first time we've seen a high-profile teammate like this want to not play with LeBron. I mean, in Miami, he had superstar friends in Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. Um, Kevin Love and Kyrie looked like everything was good. You know, no matter how many bumps they had, every you know they they accomplished what they set out to these past three seasons. So for Kyrie to say he wants his own show and that he's had enough of this is pretty strange. It's kind of a weird deal. I, I'm wondering what other context there is to this whole situation. I don't think we've heard all of it yet. Saku Smith on the Jake Brown Show, NBA.com, NBA TV, the Hangtime Podcast. He lists the Timberwolves, the Knicks, uh, the Spurs, and um, who was the fourth team? The Timberwolves, the Knicks, the Spurs, and the Heat. As teams San you want Antonio to get, was mentioned as well, yeah, I mean, Spur- which was pretty yep, shocking. Yep, the Spurs. And it, it, he said he wanted to really play for the Knicks, come home. He's got friends and family here. But the Knicks don't seem to want to get it done. Um, in terms of trading Mello there, or maybe the Cavs don't. Do you, do you see a package working where the Knicks could get this done without trading Porzingis? Uh, yeah, I mean, I can always see something happen if you find a way to involve another team or get get your hands on the right kind of assets. The thing that I'm sure is giving the Knicks pause is Cleveland is going to be demanding the Kings ransom. They're going to want, you know, Porzingis and everything else. Mm-hmm. And if I'm New York, as, as much as I love Kyrie's game, I don't know that you can have a future that makes any sense in New York if it doesn't involve Kristaps Porzingis. I mean, he's he's a guy that you've got in the draft, so he's your own. You got him on a you know on a really good contract, obviously, for the next couple of years. You don't want to do anything to screw that up. Um, Cleveland has to be willing to deal, and unless they're sitting there assuming that they're going to be able to keep Kyrie and operating from what they think is a position of power in that respect, they you know they're throwing bullets into the sky for you know for absolutely no reason. They have to move Kyrie. If they haven't figured that out by now, they will. You know, as we get closer to training camp, the guy doesn't want to be there, Jake. He's not going to mm-hmm. show up with the attitude, with the mindset you need to be successful and to win at the level you want to win at if you're Cleveland. Kyrie wants out. you got to facilitate it if you're Cleveland, and you got to try and find the way to get the best deal possible while moving him out of town. I think it's going to happen. In my mind, here's the best deal, and I'll, I'll, I want to hear what you think. Um, Three-team deal, Knicks, Suns, Cavs. The Knicks get Kyrie and Channing Frye. The Knicks give uh, the Cavs Mello, Hernan Gomez, and a first-round pick. And Bledsoe goes to the Cavs, and the Suns get a uh, first-round pick and maybe um, maybe Tristan Thompson's big contract. That's a three-team deal that works for all three parties. Yeah, and I mean, and that's what you're looking at. You're trying to find a deal that where that third team that helps facilitate this deal get something out of it that they can, you know, walk away from from the whole mess and say, hey, at least, you know, we made it happen and at least we got something out of the deal. I think the the issue is Cleveland's going to be asking for everything. They're going to want Josh Jackson or they're going to want, you know, everything they're going to ask for in a deal for Kyrie is going to be above and beyond what some team is willing to give. And that's why you have these issues. You know, in deals like that where it's a multiple-team trade and they can't seem to get it done. It's, it makes sense to us on the outside looking in, but 
it doesn't make sense internally to the franchise. And Dan Gilbert has made up his mind. I'm sure he's dug in believing that, you know, if nothing else, Kyrie has to show back up and play for the Cavaliers the next two years because he's under contract. That's easier said than done. And you put undue stress on your coach and Teron Lou and your general manager and Kobe Altman to try and make that work, assumed over whatever Bruce's feelings are involved. You also have to think about what it does to LeBron James because LeBron want to coexist with Kyrie anymore after all that's going on. So, again, Cleveland's asking for so much mm-hmm. in return for a guy who everybody else knows has asked you to move it. So that takes away some of the leverage and, and some of the power that Cleveland has in dealing with Kyrie. And I'm with the Suns here on not wanting to trade Josh Jackson, their rookie and a top five pick. It just doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, trading Bledsoe is fine, but if they trade both those guys, remember they lost Brandon Knight for the season. So it's it's a lot needs to happen for that to go down. Um, another superstar that we've talked about potentially being traded is Carmelo Anthony, and he's been insistent on going to the Rockets, but what package even makes sense for the Knicks where they don't have to take on Ryan Anderson? The only thing, Saku, in my mind is Bledsoe and Ariza and maybe a pick, but I don't know if the Rockets want to give up that much. I, I don't think they do, and I, I wouldn't give up Trevor Reza. Not if I'm a Rockets team that's positioned myself to challenge the Golden State Warriors. Trevor Reza is kind of a, a a non-starter. I mean, he's the guy that you need if you're talking about putting any pressure at all on the Warriors in the Western Conference. You can't do that without a veteran guy you know, like Reza who's won a championship, understands what it takes to get there. He's got to be a part of what you're doing in Houston if you're talking about seriously challenging uh, Golden State. Like Again, it's just it's such a difficult proposition for the Cavaliers to get this done when everybody knows that Kyrie wants out of there. This this just stayed under wraps, and they were trying to move Kyrie without all this stuff out there in, in, in the, the public discourse. They might have had a better chance to get one of these deals done. But with it all being out there on the table and LeBron understanding what's going on and the threat of him leaving, it just puts Cleveland in such a weakened position, Jake. They, they've got to try and – you know, salvage with little respect they can out of this and get an asset. you got to get a future asset, a draft pick down the line, something that you can look at and say, well, you know, th- we got this deal done. We're building on our future with this pick that could be whoever, um, you know, in a year or two and, and, and make that work because it's really not a, a tenable situation for the Cavaliers to assume they're going to get all this stuff they're asking for. Saku, with Melo here, do you think there's a chance he stays with the Knicks? I know he's been insistent on leaving, but hey, now he's posting a picture of Lala with eye emojis, maybe uh, a reunion there, maybe he stays close to home. He's been so insistent on leaving, but if I'm the Knicks, I don't want to dump him for nothing. Uh, you team him with Nitlakina and Porzingis, and maybe you get a, a year or two something good out of him. I think it's better to be stuck with his contract than Joakim Noah's massive contract. Any chance he stays in New York? Sure. I think they're, you know, he does have the, the no trade, you know, clause. So it's, it's ultimately up to him. If the Knicks can't work out a deal and send him where he wants to go, you could very, you know, very well see him sticking around. I, I don't know that there's uh, the bright future that people assume, you know, if you spend another year with Melo in place without really focusing on your future and having, you know, Porzingis be the center of what you do. Um, Scott Perry coming in as, as the Knicks GM, too. He's a smart guy. He understands the league. He's going to make the right choices for the for the Knicks going forward. I think whether it suits Carmelo or not, and I think he's the kind of guy who could get a buy-in from Carmelo 
on the deal. Maybe one that isn't Carmelo's first choice, but certainly is one that puts him in a position to compete at the highest level. And that's where Cleveland could come into the mix again. Yeah, the Knicks are in such a weird spot because if they if if Melo's going to turn down a deal to Cleveland, the Knicks are just not going to get the best return from Houston, and I think they're going to take two steps back by trading him. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens. I think that he should stay if, if a deal with Cleveland doesn't work. Uh, Saku Smith joining us, NBA.com, NBA TV, the Hang Time Podcast. Uh, sticking in New York, Saku, the Nets, I feel like Sean Marks has had a brilliant offseason and is really starting to build some excitement for the future in Brooklyn, getting Alan Crabb, getting Russell and Mozgov. Um, what's your outlook on what uh, Marks has done for Brooklyn? Well, look, I think you couldn't go anywhere but up. When you're talking about what they're trying to rebuild in Brooklyn, um, I do like the young core of players they've assembled. I really like Karis LeVert. I thought he showed some stuff as a rookie that makes you feel good. Um, the moves that have been made by Sean Marks at front office staff are really good. And then the real key is, is Kenny Atkinson and mm-hmm. the fact that he's got a reputation around the league of developing players, um, getting the most out of guys. You know, he was somebody when he was an assistant in Atlanta who did a really good job of bolstering their player development component. And really, that's the that's the new vanguard for people around the league. You know, it's one thing to assemble town. It's another thing to develop and grow it. And if you can't do that second part, it doesn't matter what kind of players you acquire, what kind of guys you put on the roster, if you can't get them to play to a, another level, to you know, to take that step in their own development. So, it, you know, it, it's promising, um, but there's certainly a long way to go in Brooklyn if they're going to get to the point where they're a factor in Eastern Conference playoff chase. But at least they're in that conversation now. At least we're, we're looking at them and saying they've got a shot to dig out of this mess in the next couple of years. If they're patient and, and if they get lucky and some of these guys outperform their draft position and and, and maybe, you know, Kenny Agassin can work some of his magic to make that happen. And it's not even remotely crazy at this point to say the Nets could have a shot for the eight seed. What is going on? With the Eastern Conference, everyone is bolting to the West. The East is not going to be very good. You have it's very top heavy. Uh, do you think the Adam Silver should work on realignment with the playoffs here? No, no. no I mean, I, I know that's a kind of a trendy conversation for a lot of people to have about you know realigning or taking the top sixteen, whatever. That to me, that's that's pipe dream. You know, mm-hmm. that's something that you'd have to convince a bunch of owners. You know, that they don't have a shot to, you know, never mind making the playoffs in, in a week conference or whatever. You wouldn't even have a shot to make the playoffs at all um, if you did something like that. There's some teams that will perpetually be, you know, on the in the basement all the time because you wouldn't have the structure of, of how you dig out of that with the conferences. So I don't think that's a realistic option for the league. Listen, man, you got to do some really hard work. Mm-hmm. Um you know, in terms of player personnel, pro personnel, drafting properly. So when you're in those positions, when you're trying to to rebuild and, and dig out of, you know, the basement, you're doing it with a sound group of people in your front office that have a chance to, to get that job done if you're patient enough. If not, you're going to continue to see certain teams be in the lottery year after year until they just blindly get lucky and get in the right position one year when that special player is in the draft and they take them. Do you look at Boston now if Kyrie does get traded, having a legit shot here to win the Eastern Conference? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've been one of those teams to me that have really gone about the business of rebuilding their operation and, you know, putting the right assets in place. Danny Ainge has done a fantastic job of 
of being patient while also being diligent about doing his business around the league, adding free agents, the right kind of free agents when, when they can, and, and growing and developing their own homegrown talent to put together a group that went out and stole the number one spot in the Eastern Conference during the regular season last year from Cleveland, made it to the conference finals with a, you know, with a high lottery pick. We don't see that happen very often. So, yeah, Boston is in a great position. And not only that, they still have the assets needed to add another star if they can. So I, I think not only are they positioned right now, but they're positioned well into the future to be competitive and be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. It's been a wild off season. Have you had a chance to hit a tropical island or a vacation at any time? <laughs> of course not. A um, whole lot of staycationing, a whole lot of Las Vegas. Um, down here in Atlanta, you know, kids started school today where I live, so it's the real summer starts now. You get kids back to school, you get a chance to lay low for a hot second. And then if this Kyrie and LeBron Cleveland thing plays itself out in the next few weeks, then we'll have a small break before camp cranks up. But, man, we don't have an offseason anymore, Jake. The, the NBA is a year-round sport now, which is, you know, I'm not complaining. Believe me, it's, it's our livelihood. We love it. And, uh, and it's fun. It's fun to be able to talk basketball well into football season when training camp start in the NFL and when the college strength up. Yeah, it's crazy because the NBA offseason is getting as much discussion as NFL training camp right now with all these rumors circulating. I couldn't go the entire conversation before we let you go without mentioning the, the heel of the century in uh, LeVar Ball <laughs> here. Uh, what is going on here? He gets this female ref kicked down. Now that ref committee disassociates itself with Adidas. H- have you had enough of this guy already and the season hasn't even begun? Yeah, I mean, look, I've I've done a pretty good job of ignoring the whole LeVar Ball thing. I've, mm-hmm. I've managed to escape being in the same gym with him, in the same, you know, arena with him um, this entire season. I did watch Lonzo in Vegas, and, Lon- and he Lonzo was a revelation. He was mm-hmm. he's really good. I saw him in Summer League at the tail end of the, the Las Vegas Summer League. I'm com- completely sold on Lonzo. Mm-hmm. I, I can do without LeVar and the circus that comes with him. And I think if they just stay out of the way and let let Lonzo do his work in L.A. and continue to improve his game, it'll be great for everybody involved. Yeah, I agree. I think this was another of those. And Jay Billis went off in a piece on him about it, how mad he was with what happened. And uh, Let's just see Lonzo continue to ball and get rid of LeVar. Saku Smith, NBA.com, NBA TV, Saku Smith, NBA on Twitter. The Hang Time Podcast is available on iTunes and NBA.com. Saku, uh, take a take a trip to an island in a couple of weeks here when <laughs> when these trades go through and relax a little bit. Appreciate you coming on the show. Sure, Jake. I'm going to do my best, man. Appreciate it. All right, man. Take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.